HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. We've been making cheese in Wisconsin since before we were even a state, which may be one reason why we win so many awards for it. It's what happens when a whole state dreams in cheese. Find your next favorite cheese at wisconsincheese.com. Hey there, and welcome to the Feed Feed podcast. I'm Alexis Santos. The Feed Feed is the world's largest crowdsourced food publication and social media community, serving as your daily source for what to cook, bake, eat, and drink. Here on the podcast, we are speaking with members of the hashtag Feed Feed community to hear their stories, learn about their culinary inspirations, and get some of their best cooking tips. Today, I'm so excited to be joined by Pooja Bavishi. Pooja is the founder and CEO of Malai, an artisanal ice cream company with flavors inspired by nostalgic, aromatic spices and South Asian ingredients based in Brooklyn, New York. Pooja founded Malai when she discovered that the same spices of her childhood, such as ginger, rose petals, saffron, and cardamom, could be used to robustly flavor ice creams in a way that she had never tasted before. Thank you so much for being here, Pooja. I am obsessed with ice cream and all of these ingredients that I just listed all sound incredible in ice cream. So I am very excited to chat with you about this. Amazing. Well, thank you for having me. Of course. So let's run it back to the very beginning. Where were you born? Where did you grow up? Um, And what were some of your early culinary influences? Yeah, so I was born in Pennsylvania um, and lived there for 10 years before my family, my parents, you know, we moved to North Carolina. And so I, I consider North Carolina to be my home state um, and Charlotte to be my hometown. Um, and, you know, like um, I grew up with a sweet tooth. <laughs> I, I certainly, I certainly loved my desserts from a very young age um, and was curious about making these desserts pretty young too. Um, I would say that, you know, I got into the kitchen pretty early. Like I, I was always kind of hanging around the kitchen and helping my mom, you know, do like sorts like odds and ends and things like that. Like I would always be fascinated with the way she was chopping vegetables and, um, you know, putting spices together and things like that. But my own, like my own kind of taking ownership of my own meal, own dish happened when I was 10 years old. I was watching 
Saturday morning cartoons. And um, it just so happened that Mrs. Fields, like Mrs. Fields cookies, like from the mall, uh, she had her own cooking show. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Totally iconic legend. (laughs) And, um, and she had her own cooking show. Um, This is way before Food Network was a thing, I think. Um, And she made a white chocolate cheesecake. And I was fascinated. I was fascinated by this delicious looking concoction coming out of the kitchen out of the kitchen and like also how easy she made it look and so I asked my mom if I could make it and she said yeah let's go grocery shopping and the kitchen is yours and she literally just like gave me the entire kitchen and I made this cheesecake from top to bottom it was horrible looking I cut (laughs) into it when it was warm it was slightly grainy but I was so I like remember this feeling even now I was so proud of myself And I also remember this feeling where I like scooped out the cheesecake because remember I cut it when I was warm, so it wasn't set yet. And I scooped out the cheesecake out of the pan and gave my parents and my older sister a serving. And I just remember that they were just like, this is so good, Pooch. Like, good job. Like, well done. This is delicious. What a nice treat. And I was like, wow, I did that. I made them happy by doing this. (laughs) And I think that that's what started this, like, from then on, I knew eventually that I wanted to open a dessert business of some sort. (laughs) So that was like the origin story of Malai way back when. Oh my gosh, what a moment. You're like weird cheesecake. Who knew that would have forged (laughs) the path for like the rest of your life? (laughs) Totally. Yeah. Mrs. Fields for the win. Yes. So we talked a little bit about, um, well, in your bio, the um, South Asian influences that go into your um, ice cream. So are both of your family, where is your family from on both sides? Yeah. So my, both of my parents are from India. They're part, they're from this part of India that is in the kind of the Western, Northwestern kind of part. It's called Gujarat. The state is called Gujarat. And, um, and like, yeah, like I, like I just talked about like my my deep um, passion for desserts, but I think that the other like major parallel in my life growing up has always been that, you know, I, I'm first generation Indian American and I grew up in North Carolina and I really felt this um, curiosity and almost this nostalgia for my parents' childhood. I I felt like I missed out on something. Um, and although I absolutely felt like my complete self in like high school and, you know, going to school and at home as well, I didn't necessarily felt like there was crossover. I felt like two complete selves, um, and in two different places. And, and I've always kind of thought about that and, and thought about like, how, how is it, that someone can tell their complete story. And when Malai, when the idea of Malai came about, which was, you know, decades later from, from growing up in North Carolina and that white chocolate cheesecake and, you know, learning about my culture, um, I realized that it was a way for me to tell my story. It was a way for both of these parts of my lives to come together and, and, and for me to be unapologetically myself and for me to be able to, to connect with people through my own story. And I think that that's what was so special about it. Oh my God. How, what a lovely, like a heartwarming situation. That's delightful. (laughs) I love that. So you had your cheesecake moment for lack of a better term, like your cheesecake moment TM. And then where did it go (laughs) from there? Were you then wanting to go to culinary school or what was kind of the journey from your 
childhood cheesecake endeavors to then, you know, owning and operating a food business. How did that come about? Well, obviously through a food blog. <laughs> yes, that's all good um, No, I, I just, you know, I, I didn't pursue um, cooking professionally. It was, it was something that I like. It was kind of like I was a hobbyist and an enthusiast and wanted to learn as much as possible. So, I, I certainly spent like a lot of my free time reading recipes and experimenting in the kitchen and experimenting with my own recipes, actually. Um, and I like m- my best friend growing up also loved baking. And so we would spend our weekends baking together and and we, you know, like kind of going through college and my first couple of jobs and stuff like that. Like I would be the one that made everyone's birthday cake. I would be the one who would, you know, do the celebratory desserts. Um, even in my first job um, at a nonprofit, I would cater the holiday party and I, you know, like I, I would do the birthday parties. And, and so like, it, like the dessert thing was just this constant in my life, but I pursued a career in public policy. So i majored in public policy in college and, um, and worked at a civil rights agency right after college and actually even got a master's in urban planning and was working for fair to, for fair and affordable housing. And loved my career, like absolutely loved it. There wasn't this moment where I was just like, I need to drop everything and find something else. I, I, you know, people obviously have multiple interests. And so I was able to kind of um, satisfy my interest in cooking and baking as a side project um, until I didn't, right? Like until I was ready for it to be the forefront. And um, I was kind of at a crossroads at a job that I was at. um, And I decided that this was like, I was almost there to start a dessert business, but A, I didn't have a concept, <laughs> which is necessary. And B, at that point in my career, I didn't feel like I had necessarily the business acumen to be able to kind of have the language to be able to start a food business, you know, to be in the same rooms as people who starting their own business. Um, yeah. You know, even though I was really interested in the recipes and really interested in um, flavor development and, and all of that, I also was really interested in building a business. And I knew that I wouldn't be the one in the kitchen forever. Um, like I knew that from the very beginning. And so I decided to go to business school. So I moved to New York for business school. And, um, in my second to last semester, I made ice cream for the very first time. Really? Yeah. Just like at home or was it like, what, how did it like? Just at home. So I, I held an annual vegetarian Friendsgiving. (laughs) Um, because of course, of course I did. And, um, I obviously made the desserts every single year and, I made a sticky toffee pudding and I made an apple galette. I remember that still. And, um, I decided my parents had gifted me an ice cream maker when I moved to New York, just kind of as like a housewarming slash you're going to use this kind of thing. (laughs) Um, And I hadn't used it. Like I I just hadn't. I was in business school. I don't know. There was no reason for it. And I saw, I kind of just like eyed it from like the corner of my eye. I was like, oh, I have an ice cream maker. Why don't I make some ice creams to go along with the, with this dessert? Um, and so as I was like, kind of like looking through kind of like, you know, my spice drawer and like my refrigerator for like, what should I flavor these ice creams? Like what, what would go well? I always had, um, one side of my kitchen that my mom would stock from apartment to apartment, like since like from college onward, she would stock this one side of my kitchen. My sister and I would always joke that we, um, 
that, that like, you know, that's, that's mom's side. And she uh-huh. would, she would stock it with like, you know, our comfort foods, like the lentils and the pulses and the grains and the spices that we grew up with. And so I pulled two spices from there and flavored the ice cream the way I would any, you know, even a savory Indian dish, mm-hmm. I flavored these ice creams and butterfat actually carries flavor so beautifully, which I did not know at the time. Um, yeah. But it just like, it just really carries spice and flavor so beautifully. And I made this ginger and star anise ice cream, super simple, super simple. And, but made them to go along with these two desserts. And my friends who clearly benefited from like a lifetime of me making desserts all the time and my baking endeavors and all of that, they, you know, enjoyed all of the things that I made throughout those years. For the first time, my friends were like, oh, we've never had anything like this before. And I think that the real shift was they were like, you know, Pooja, I would buy this. Like, like if you make this, I will buy it. And I think that that was, you know, obviously <laughs> you don't know you're going through an aha moment when it's actually happening. But like retrospectively, right. I was like, you know, like I think I was looking, I, I mentioned this already, but I think I was looking for a way to tell my story and you cannot get more Americana than ice cream, right? Everyone has an ice cream story. Um, everyone has those ice cream memories and you mm-hmm. just can't, like, it's just such a, such a part a deeply rooted part of American culture. Sure. But to flavor it with these spices that I grew up with as an Indian American, as someone who was trying to tell my story from that perspective for so long and not figuring out how to be able to, it just felt like me in a product. And that's when I knew that that's, that's the concept I want to move forward with. Wow. You have like, I mean, I feel like sometimes I ask people like, oh, when was the moment you learned this? Or when was the moment you learned that? And most people don't really have like these aha moments in life that you have had. And that's kind of crazy and like very cool to hear that you've had these like very formative aha moments that you never saw coming. I feel like that's pretty unique and very, very cool. So it's definitely exciting to hear about. So, yeah, I, I think I learned at some point and not to sound too woo woo, but like I think yeah. I learned at, some, at some point that, you know, like you get you get these like kind of these snippets of what could be all the time. It's up to you whether or not you're going to listen to it. It's up to you whether or not you're going to pursue it. And, and I think that I could have just rolled over this moment. You know, like I, I could have just, you know, served these ice creams, gone along, gone, you know, gone along with my my dinner and, and not think anything of it. Right. I think at that time, though, I was I was desperately searching for something that would make me happy, that felt really fulfilling because I was recruiting for jobs at the time, even though I knew that I wanted to go to business school to pursue this like career in entrepreneurship, to pursue a dessert business. It wasn't like I like how if you don't have a concept, what are you pursuing? You right. know? And so I was recruiting for jobs and nothing felt like it was the right fit. And I, I think that I was I was just searching for something that felt really fulfilling. And I just saw it right there in front of me and chose and chose to listen to it. And so here we are, for better or for worse. Here we are. Well, and good for you because not everybody has like the wherewithal to do that and to kind of take a step back and realize that these little moments can be 
super significant. So, I mean, I'm glad you listened to that instinct and like went with it because if not, you know, none of this would have happened. (laughs) Yeah, fair. Thank you. All right. We're going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. There's a reason when you think of Wisconsin, you think cheese. Cheese is a huge part of Wisconsin's history and future. In Wisconsin, the state of cheese, the tradition of cheesemaking excellence began 180 years ago, before Wisconsin was recognized as a state. Immigrants traveled to settle in this lush, green hills of Wisconsin, bringing their cheesemaking traditions with them. These storied skills combined with the freshest milk available created a cheesemaking culture that is uniquely Wisconsin. Wisconsin's 1,200 cheesemakers, many of whom are third and fourth generation, continue to pass on old world traditions while adopting modern innovations in cheesemaking craftsmanship. Find your next favorite cheese at wisconsincheese.com. So you had these moments that you realized that this is what you wanted to be doing. And then what kind of happened from there? I assume you, it was a lot of work to get a literal business off the ground, but, and then I assume a lot of recipe testing to find these flavor combinations or what was that process like? Yeah. So the next step for me was really that you know, I, I, like I didn't come from a culinary, a professional culinary background. And so I started kind of looking for any kind of resources to be able to learn a little bit more about like starting a food business. Um, and Penn state actually has a dairy and has this famed ice cream course that all the, you know, all the famous ice cream of the country has been to like a Briars and Ben and Jerry's, but also, you know, Christina Tosi has attended it. Jenny Britton Bauer has attended it. Um, and so it certainly has made a name for itself and it's about commercial ice cream making. Mm-hmm. Um, and I looked it up and, and, um, it was in January and this all happened in November, Friendsgiving. So, um, I decided to attend this course in January, which turned, you know, the, which, which taught me how to turn like my ice cream recipe for like at home to a formula for commercial scaling. Um, and so then because I knew kind of what I was, where I needed to be headed, um, I came back and that started the whole recipe testing process. And um, I tested a bunch of different bases and tested a bunch of different flavors. And I was still in business school. So I used all of like the club conferences um, and opportunities like that to sample. And everyone would get a scoop of ice cream if they filled out a survey for me. And so <laughs> I would, I was so cool. <laughs> um, I would hold, I would keep surveys there and I would t- like, I would ask, it would be different categories every single time. So like, it would be about pricing. It would be about flavor. It would be about texture. It would be about where they would buy, you know, things like that. I also would hold, <laughs> this is so embarrassing. I also would hold focus groups in my apartment, hey, um, kind of for the same that's thing. That's really important. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, and so then I would get like another, like I would get different demographics every single time. Um, but really, you know, this was 2015, 
and which doesn't seem like that long ago. It was eight years ago. Um, but even like, and this was all happening in New York, but like even the New York flavor landscape has changed so much in the past eight years. Um, our number one seller from the very beginning has been our rose with cinnamon roasted almonds. But that said, I almost didn't even debut um, our rose, like a rose flavor, because even though it was like it, rose is one of those ice cream flavors that was constantly present in my child present in my childhood home, like it was equivalent to vanilla, right? Like at at any dinner party, any family gathering, rose ice cream would be there. And so it's a flavor that I grew up with and it was like almost ubiquitous to me. And so I knew I wanted a rose flavor, but like the feedback that I was getting from these surveys and focus groups is that it's it's a little out there. It was floral, it was perfumey. It reminded people of their grandmother, right? like things like that. And I was like, ah, oh, maybe maybe we're not ready for a mainstream rose flavor. Mm. And I um, and I love rose. yeah. I mean, I just I love it when it's I'm so wrong about these things. Um, and so I decided to go for it. And from that first day that we debuted it, that I debuted it um, to today eight years later, it's still our number one skew. It is the only flavor that we don't ever take off the menu. Wow. And what else is in it? It's just rose or what is the other flavor aspects of it? So it's rose with cinnamon roasted almonds. So rose and almonds are from the same. (laughs) Rose and almonds are from the same family. And so it's a natural pairing. Um, And typically... In kind of Middle Eastern, South Asian desserts, rose and cardamom go really well together, but I wanted to do something a little bit different. I wanted to make it surprising for kind of the diaspora South Asian audiences that, you know, I didn't want it to be typical for them. And so I decided to like, I I tested a couple of different things. I remember I tested um, rose and bay leaf as well, did not go as well, but, um, but rose and cinnamon really just like really fit beautifully together. And what was really interesting about that is like cinnamon and almonds for a, for a more Western quote unquote mainstream palette, you know, you know what those things taste like and so, and you know what, like what those things are. And so, and they're not intimidating. And so it was almost like, even though the rose might've been something that a customer may have not felt like they knew what that would be, um, in like flavor profile wise, cinnamon and almonds is certainly something that they knew. And so it, it created an entry point. Um, so I'm, I'm really glad that that's the direction I decided to take with that because of that. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's just, it's a unique ice cream flavor. And, and I think that the, the comment we get more than anything is, um, I've never tasted anything like this before and I can't stop eating it. And I, I love hearing that because we don't, we want to be unique, you know, we don't want to be something that you've tasted before, but I still want you to feel like you feel this connection to it. Right. Okay. Well, all the flavors sound absolutely incredible to me. I'm like very, I know it can be a little polarizing with flavors like rose and lavender and stuff like that in food. I know some people say it tastes like soap or, you know, whatever, Mm -hmm. but I'm such a big fan of all those things. So like (laughs) you are preaching to the choir. Well, all those sound delicious. So what did it feel like for you when you actually had the like, is it a brick and mortar or just like the actual physical, like, Hey, I have an ice cream store now. So it it took a while for the ice cream store to come up. So I started in 2015 and we started in a very 
New York kind of way. Um, so I started at fairs and markets around the city. Um, so I started, I, I graduated business school in May of 2015, and I sold my first scoop at Hester Street Fair three weeks later. Um, and so I was at Hester Street Fair, I was at Fulton Stall Market, and that first summer was like very much a beta summer. Like I was just testing to see if there is a market for these products. Um, I would sell every weekend and I would make ice cream in my New York City apartment during the week, um, fill up my camping freezer, uh, roll my camping freezer outside, get an Uber XL, <laughs> and, um, and yeah, travel to these different fairs, plug in and sell all day on the weekend. Um, and so it was, it, you know, it was going well and it seemed like people were really enjoying it. And then that August, um, uh, a New York Times food writer actually walked by at Hester Street and um, asked for a sample of ice cream, which I gave him. It was a sweet corn saffron. And um, he was like, these are delicious. Have you been written up before by the, by the Times? And I was like, well, no, I haven't. <laughs> Actually, thank you for asking. <laughs> and um, and he was like, drop off samples on Monday. Um, tell Florence Fabricant that I sent you. And she accepted the samples. And our first piece of press was in the New York Times, which then led to us having to figure out. And when I say us, I actually mean me. It was just me at the time. But I had a good support system, so I'm going to go ahead and say us. Um, but it was trying to figure out how to ship ice cream and what are the requirements for wholesale for, you know, B2B, um, being able to, to sell in grocery stores. So that spurred on the other channels of the business. So we actually did grocery store retail and D2C e-commerce before we had the brick and mortar. Kind of the last piece of the puzzle was in 2019 when we established our Brooklyn brick and mortar. Wow. Well, what a journey. And that is very like vintage New York, what you're describing, <laughs> like a hundred percent. And so how does it feel now that you kind of have achieved this, I guess, goal of telling your story through, you know, kind of the Indian flavors, but also like the Americana vibe of ice cream. And it's something that people are loving. Like, how does, how does that feel? I mean, it feels incredible. We've really developed um, a cust like a loyal customer base at our Brooklyn storefront. We opened in Manhattan um, on April 1st um, in Pier 57. And so seeing like a kind of a new audience come through has been really great as well. Um, and we've expanded our product line. We don't just do hard ice cream anymore. We do soft serve. We do pops, ice cream sandwiches, ice cream cakes. Um, so we're, we're able to continuously, you know, um, treat people and like treat our customers and, and create that kind of like that moment of joy that I feel like uh, our customers are looking for when they come to us, um, which is really exciting. And I, I am so, I'm, I think that's still the, my most favorite part is like kind of is seeing our customers enjoy the ice cream, you know, and, is, and, and, and making that a part of their routine. Um, so our goals, you know, moving forward is to, um, kind of spread the Malai love um, outside of New York City. We have plans to expand outside of New York City with more brick and mortars um, and and see how the next city takes takes on Malai. Amazing. And I mean, is it part educational in a sense where people who may not know, I guess, some of these traditional Indian flavors that you're kind of teaching them about it a bit? Or like, is that kind of a 
an, sort of an important part of what you're doing is kind of opening people's minds to those flavors? Yeah, I always say that our, you know, our macro goal from the very beginning, when I first started, it was the same macro goal, which is, you know, it, it should feel as typical and normal to buy a pint of masala chai ice cream as it is a pint of cookies and cream. Like it, it, it's wild that these flavors haven't changed in so long. And, but like these South Asian flavors are enjoyed by over a billion people all over the world. And it should, these flavors should absolutely be more mainstream. It shouldn't be, you know, good Indian ice cream. It's just good ice cream. It's good ice cream and it and it comes in flavors that are, you know, tilted South Asian that are inspired by South Asian ingredients, but that doesn't change the fact that it's just really good ice cream. Yeah. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, good ice cream is good ice cream, you know? <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and then our micro goal, kind of our daily goal is exactly what I just talked about, which is, you know, someone is, is taking a moment out of their day to find some joy, right? They're, they're, they want some happiness and they're, they want ice cream. And for that, we need to create the best possible product. So it's, it's kind of combining, it goes back to those parallels from my childhood that I love desserts and wanted to, you know, found out that you make your dessert and you share it with people and people are happy, you know, and like, there's that aspect. And there's the aspect of like, I'm really curious about my culture. And I I really want to spread the love of my culture and be completely myself at all times. Well, that those, those thoughts, um, those two parallels are incorporated into our, into our goals, right? Like we, we want to spread these flavors to as many people as possible and, and be unapologetically ourselves. And that's the macro goal. And we want to make people happy by, by creating a good, good quality product. And that's our micro goal. Amazing. Oh my gosh. Well, this is all so incredible and so inspiring to hear about. And is your family, I assume, very pleased and proud with what you've done with the whole inspirational moment of making them that cheesecake (laughs) absolutely how pivotal mrs fields ended up being in my life um yeah they they've been they certainly are the og fan club um they've been my parents have been incredibly supportive Um, my parents actually have had their own business for as long as i remember for my entire life and so um i've certainly seen the ups and downs of entrepreneurship but they also my dad especially just really believes in building. And so he was really thrilled when I decided to take this decision to, to start my own business. And my sister still loves being a taste tester. So she she's never going to give up that job. That's an important job. And I would be happy to fill in if she's busy at any point. <laughs> Noted. Thank you so much. Yes. And so are all of your flavors, I know you said you kind of rotate flavors in and out. Are they seasonal or like how, what is the flavor rotational situation there? Yeah. So we, we definitely have our signatures that are kind of around all year round. Um, and then we have seasonals, it's, you know, summer's coming up. So we have a couple of summer seasonals, our strawberry pie, our lychee sorbet, sweet corn saffron, fig on fig. They'll be coming back um, the next couple of weeks. Then we have seasonals for Diwali, which is the Indian New Year. We have mm-hmm. seasonals for the holidays. So we have we have rotating in and out, and we're always creating new flavors too, which is really exciting. So um, so yeah, we always have something up our sleeves. <laughs> yeah, you're always cooking something, and. All of it sounds absolutely delicious. (laughs) Uh, Thank you. Well, was there anything else important to add about your 
your journey, your love of ice cream or anything about this whole situation that I haven't asked you yet? No, I think you covered it. I love Malai and I want you to love Malai too. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh. Next time I'm in the city, I will absolutely stop by because all of this sounds just absolutely incredible. And is there any like, um, is it just you can get it in New York or is there nationwide shipping or anything like that? Yeah, absolutely. So you can, we have a brick and mortar in Brooklyn, and then we have an outpost in Pier 57 in Manhattan. Um, We're in grocery stores all over the Northeast with the largest grocery store being Whole Foods. Um, And then we ship nationwide through Gold Belly. So we can get it anywhere within a day. Oh my God. Hello. (laughs) Don't tempt me with a good time. (laughs) That's incredible. Okay, well, great to know. And I think that's really key information for those of us who don't live in New York City. And definitely going to pocket that for a rainy day when I'm really jonesing for these flavors that we've been talking about. And yeah, it's just been a pleasure and a thrill getting to know you and your story and talking all things delicious, um, incredible, unique ice cream flavors. So congratulations on everything that you've accomplished. And just thanks for inspiring me and our listeners. Thank you so much for having me. This has been such a fun conversation. Of course. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. To learn more about the food and drink discovery platform that is The Feed Feed, head to thefeedfeed.com. If you have a food story to tell or want us to interview a blogger, cookbook author, chef, or restaurateur, we would love your suggestions. Just send us a DM on Instagram. See you next time. The Feed Feed podcast is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.